It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, and I'm joined today by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you doing? Doing well, and also joined by Scott Patsko. Scott, how are you? Doing good. Ready to go. And we're going to talk about the Browns' defense today. We heard from Joe Woods, the Browns' new defensive coordinator, uh, earlier this morning via a Zoom call. And we've been doing these what-to-expect uh, kind of things about players, and Look, defensive players are a little hard to talk about sometimes, so I just want to talk about the defense in general, what to expect from the Browns' defense. I want to start at the front and just move our way to the back. Now, I know we've talked about Miles Garrett specifically, but let's just get right to it and talk about that front four. Uh, Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, Jordan Elliott, Adrian Claiborne, Andrew Billings, the addition. Mary Kay Joe Woods comes from San Francisco, where their front four was as good as any in the league. Uh, We all saw that in that Monday night game. And then, of course, anybody who watched San Francisco the rest of the year knows as well. Uh, It was all about that front four. And I think the Browns are hoping that Joe Woods will bring a little bit of that, even though he wasn't the defensive coordinator there, will bring a little bit of that to Cleveland. Yeah, I I think he's really, really excited about what he has on that defensive front, on the defensive line in particular. Uh, You know, basically, uh, he's, you know, it's kind of loaded when you think about uh, the two edge rushers, if Olivier Vernon can stay healthy, and then they're very strong in the middle. And now you've got some depth with, like you mentioned, with Adrian Claiborne. You've still got Chad Thomas. You've got Andrew Billings now. So you can rotate guys in. And, of course, uh, they're still talking about Jadavian Clowney. And, you know, that is somebody that could uh, land here at one time or another. So, uh, you know, that would be exciting for the Browns. But even if that doesn't happen, I think Joe Woods feels like he has what he needs to get to the quarterback, Uh, you know, and I think, again, one of the underrated additions there is Adrian Claiborne. I mean, he really brings some good pass rush ability. I feel like Claiborne's sort of the forgotten guy uh, uh, on this, in this group when we talk about him. Same with Chad Thomas. Scott, when you look at this front, I mean, do you you see the potential there for them to, you know, I hate to say be San Francisco from a year ago, because that was an amazing performance from them, but to, to be close to that level. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's probably the biggest selling point if you're a defensive coordinator coming here is looking at that defensive front, you know? Uh, and, and yeah, I think maybe instead of focusing on what they, you know, living up to San Francisco, maybe try to live up to what everybody thought they would be last year, you know, cause you basically got the same group back. Um, can they be the strength of the, of the team or, or just the defense in general? Can they be what they were supposed to be last year? And, you know, everybody's healthy. If everybody stays on the field, I don't see why that can't happen. They've certainly, improve their depth like Mary Kay said Claiborne um 
is is a big upgrade on the edge no matter how he's used whether you know they move him around the line or, or just keep him outside so that's a plus then you bring in someone like billings and then you, you, you draft elliot and you know the depth on that defensive line didn't didn't have a great year last year you know Devereaux lawrence had his moments in the preseason and then it wasn't that good and when people started getting hurt and suspended the browns really had to like they had to move on that and they kind of remade the depth and it you know it still wasn't that great but now going into to 2020 um they're in a much better place along that line and, and i want to talk about the interior of the line I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what that group can do because you've got sheldon richardson who i think you could argue games one through 16 was probably the best defensive lineman on the team. Now, obviously, had Miles Garrett played the whole year, we'd be saying him, but he was suspended for the last six. So one through 16, Sheldon Richardson probably performed the best of anybody on that D-line. Larry Ogunjobi, uh, you know, I think he's a guy, obviously was drafted on, under Andrew Barry's watch when he was here with Sashi Brown. I, I think he's a guy they still like. Uh, and then you add in, you poach Andrew Billings from Cincinnati, who's really intriguing. You draft Jordan Elliott behind them. It's really about pressure, bringing pressure up the middle. And, and I'm kind of excited to see what the interior of this line can do. Yeah, I, you know what? I, I think, and quarterbacks just hate, they hate that middle pressure. They hate just somebody getting in their face like that. Now, a lot of them are mobile, and it's not uh, as big of a deal for a guy that can run around like a Lamar Jackson uh, and another guy that's mobile like a Joe Burrow. But, uh, but guys that are a little bit more stationary hate that middle pressure. So if you can apply that, that's... Uh, that's really a great thing to do. And I think Andrew Billings is a terrific addition uh, to the middle there. And, you know, I think that might, and, and like you said, Elliot as well. So there's really good depth. They can keep, keep those guys really fresh. You know, it might even help uh, Larry, Ogunjobi, Larry Ogunjobi pick up his game a little bit to have a little bit more competition at that position, knowing that, you know, you can get some of your reps taken away because there's some really good guys uh, that are going to be in there rotating. Uh, I think that's that's going to be huge. So uh, Joe Woods has a lot to work with on that defensive line. It was a big year for Ogan Joby. Um, you know, they there was all the talk last year about uh, Gerald McCoy and uh, the other guy whose name escapes me. But they were trying to, you know, find other options there on the interior of the line. And they weren't bringing in people to replace Sheldon Richardson. You know, it was, it was Ogan Joby's spot who was going to be uh, up for competition. So now he's He's coming back, the presumptive starter, but you know, like you said, he's got major competition from Billings, especially. Um, this is going to be a big year to prove, you know, is, is he the guy in the middle that that they hoped he would be last year, or is he ready to take that jump and become a, you know, a consistent starter from here going forward? I think that's the case with a lot of these young guys too uh, on this roster. Uh, a guy like Ogan Joby, right? He's shown us flashes. He's been good but we, we want to see it consistently, right? Play to play, you know, just be that relentless guy um, every single time. The thing you mentioned too, Mary Kay, bringing that pressure up the middle is if you've got a healthy Olivier Vernon and Miles Garrett, and now you're bringing pressure up the middle and a guy's trying to escape, you hope this is what he's escaping into. 95 on one side, 54 on the other, or whoever else is, is on that end. Maybe you hope know, they sign Jadavian Clowney, maybe Jadavian Clowney on that end. It is set up that if all four of those guys are healthy, um, it can really be a complimentary pass rush where, you know, maybe the pressure's coming from the edge and you chase it into the middle or the other way around. It comes up the middle and chases to the edge. Uh, that, that's really what you want out of that line. Yeah, absolutely. And that is why they don't mind 
allocating resources to that defensive line and the ability to get to the quarterback. Uh, they are a quarterback-centric football team, so they're surrounding Baker Mayfield on that side of the ball with as much talent as they can. On the other side of the ball, they are trying to get to that quarterback, disrupt him, get him on his back, get him off of his mark. And like you said, if you can do that through the middle, if you can do it on the edges, uh, you can do it through blitzing, however you can do it, that is what they plan on doing. And therefore, how many times do we keep talking about over and over again, hey, Olivier Vernon's not going to be around. He makes $15.25 million. And the Browns have basically been trying to say, that's what it costs to have a really good pass rusher on your football team. And yeah, we're going to pay him $15.25 million this year because that's the going rate for a really, really good pass rusher. When you think about last year, think about what poor Steve Wilkes had to deal with in the second half of the season when he didn't have Miles Garrett or Olivier Vernon. You know, you look at most teams' defenses and you take away their two edge rushers, their two top edge rushers, and you, your expectations aren't great. And that's kind of what happened. And as Scott was saying earlier, on this defensive line, things just kind of fell apart when those two guys and a few others left the lineup. Okay, let's move behind the, the uh, defensive line here. Let's talk about the linebackers. This is probably the most intriguing battle. And if we were watching practices, watching ROTAs and minicamp practices, this is one of the battles we've been watching. Because you've got Mac Wilson coming back, Sione Takitaki coming back. You throw in Jacob Phillips, who was a draft pick, and, of course, B.J. Goodson as well. And I'm going to read uh, from Joe Woods today uh, when you talk about Mac Wilson and Sione Takitaki. He said, both those guys just look like what we want in a linebacker. Athletic, play physical, and run to the ball. I think they're a natural fit. They're just both young guys who need to keep gaining experience. Now, we know a little bit about what Mac Wilson is. We don't know a lot about Taki Taki because he didn't play a lot last year. There just aren't very many snaps to work off of. Um, Goodson, I think, has a real shot to, to maybe play his way in there, and we'll, we'll kind of see where Phillips is, a, a production pick. Scott, we'll start with you on this one. Um, when you look at this linebacking core, do you like what's there? And do you think they can kind of find that, that group that they want there? Well, pro football focus does not agree with Joe Woods, especially <laughs> when it comes to Mac Wilson. Um, yeah, he, he could look like he could play the part, but uh, his PFF grades were really low. Um, he had one of the worst defensive grades on the team across the whole defense. Um, and we're talking in the 40s, so even below that replacement level. And even as a coverage linebacker, he was in the 40s, which is surprising because – we saw him do so well in the preseason, but that didn't really, you know, carry out over the, you know, 450 or so, you know, coverage snaps he had. So, um, but he was a rookie and he's thrown in, you know, on the fly. And what you hope is that he takes that experience and he builds off it and this season is better. Um, you know, they, they put a lot of faith in, in, uh, in him last season and Taki Taki, obviously they would use a third round pick on him. So they, the last regime had, had high hopes for him. Um, we saw obviously what he could do in, in college and when he was out there a little bit for the Browns 100 or so snaps at linebacker you saw him moving around a lot um, but there were also a lot of times when he just seemed like he wasn't sure where he was supposed to be so how do you get from that season as a rookie for both of them through this offseason where you can't really do much on the field to becoming starters in year two I mean that's that's something Joe Woods is going to have to solve I don't we're doing these matchups uh, with the Browns against the other AFC North teams this week uh, on the website. And I'm pretty sure the Browns lost the lineup with the linebacker matchup against 
each other team. And a lot of it has to do with that inexperience and, and the unknown of what you're going to get out of Wilson and Taki Taki. And, you know, I think uh, those rankings that you're talking about, Scott, when you look at uh, the PFF rankings of Mac Wilson, they're sort of consistent with when I talked to Nick Saban about Mac Wilson after he was drafted, uh, he really expressed concerns about the fact that he really wasn't ready yet to make that jump to the NFL and that he needed to get a lot of experience. Well, the best way to get experience is to get out there and to play. So I think the fact that he did start 14 games in place of Christian Kirksey at the weak side will linebacker spot will serve him well this year. They have tape on him. They know what he can do. And again, maybe he can build on that and he can pick it up a notch. As you guys mentioned, Sione Takitaki, he started only one game. Uh, they don't have much to go on there. Uh, you know, they like kind of what they see from a skill set standpoint on paper. Uh, but they just don't really know exactly where he's going to fit. And I thought that stood out today about what Joe Wood said. The fact that he does not know exactly who fits at what position. And that's the interesting thing about virtual offseason program. You don't get a feel for what a guy really is when you're just dealing with him on the computer. And they, they haven't been able to see those practices. I mean, right now they would be doing 11 on 11s. And you can find out a lot about a player when you start seeing him uh, put your, your scheme into place. They, they basically have installed most of the scheme. And by now, they would be taking it to the field. And you would be able to see how is Sione Takitaki reacting to, you know, Nick Chubb getting the ball out of the backfield in this situation on third down or whatever the case may be. Uh, you get a feel for it and they don't have that. So they're cross training the linebackers. And once they get started in training camp, these coaches are going to really get to know their players for the first time. Right now, it's all a work in progress. Yeah, I, was, I was thinking about that earlier today about how little we know at this point. You know, we would have seen OTA practices at this point and we get limited, very limited access during OTAs, but still, Think about what we learned last year. You know, we learned about Jermaine Whitehead becoming that hybrid uh, uh, safety and, and how uh, he, he was going to be used or possibly used. He was the leading candidate. We learned that at OTAs. We learned about, you know, Jannard Avery being used on the edge. And we also got a look at how the two linebackers, you know, how that all looked with just two of them on the field. It was Schobert and Kirksey. And they said not having that uh, and not being able to get an idea and fill in the blanks of how Taki Taki and Wilson, if it is that duo, um, like I said, that's something we're all missing and it's going to be one of the big mysteries that, that we try to solve during training camp. What I think is interesting about this linebacking core and, you know, so we talk a lot about the offense, right? How this team went out and they really fit to the scheme we believe this team's going to run, right? When they drafted, when they signed free agents. So now we look at this defense and we aren't completely sure what this scheme is going to look like, but maybe there's a tell here because maybe outside of Taki Taki who played some defensive end in college, all these guys are inside linebackers. Mac Wilson is an inside linebacker. BJ Goodson is an inside linebacker. He has, I, I just looked it up. He has half a sack in his career. Um, he, he is an inside linebacker. You know, maybe Mac Wilson could play on the outside. And I know I'm, I'm simplifying this, you know, we can talk Mike, Will, whatever, but I'm just saying inside, outside, all these guys are inside linebackers. And that kind of tells me a little bit, maybe we aren't going to see very many three linebacker sets because they don't really have a guy at the linebacker position who can edge rush. And that's what you want. You, you, if you're going to play three linebackers, you got to have, you know, one or two of them 
that are basically glorified defensive ends that stand up and get to the quarterback. And they don't really have that. And I wonder if that's a tell uh, based on what this, this team is going to look like defensively. We're just not going to see very many three linebacker sets. And we're going to see more of that focus on guys who are, who are better suited to be that Mike linebacker. Yeah, and I, and I think, uh, you know, it started in the offseason when they let guys go, like Joe Schobert and Christian Kirksey. I think that uh, that's when the message was being sent that they're not allocating a lot of resources to the linebacker position. And when we talked to Joe Woods today, he talked about playing a lot of nickel, a lot of dime, getting that extra safety on the field. And I think that's kind of where a Grant Delpit comes in. He's so versatile. Uh, again, he can play down in the box. He can play the post. Uh, he can do so many different things. And I think that they, you know, might have a tendency uh, to, to do something like that, where they go more with a two linebacker situation and, um, and that they have more defensive backs on, on the field for the schemes that they are about to see. So uh, I, I do think that, you know, that we are sort of figuring it out. And, and I think Joe Woods articulated that today, uh, that we will see more of that sort of thing. Yeah, it's weird. This is almost like a reversal of last year when uh, we, we kind of had an idea of what Steve Wilkes was all about on defense. But, you know, on the other side, uh, what we thought we knew about Freddie Kitchens, we come to find out, you know, he's throwing everything into the pot and trying to come up with something. Well, we kind of have a good idea of what Stefanski's all about this year, but we're not really sure how this Joe Woods defense is going to shake out. Um, he's been on a lot of different teams in recent years, and he said today that he's kind of trying to take – the best of what he's experienced. Um, but at the end of the day, I would expect this defense to look very similar to what it was last year, as far as, you know, less linebackers, more defensive backs on the field, um, which is, you know, the movement across the league. But uh, that's, that's what I'm expecting. And then, you know, however he decides to rotate in this new depth along the defensive line, that'll, that'll be another aspect of it. But, yeah, I don't expect to see uh, more than two linebackers on the field very much at all. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here, and then when we come back, we will wrap things up by talking about that secondary. And, of course, Grant Delpit and the rest of the safety room. And, of course, this is the part of the show where I remind you about Football Insider, our tech subscription service where me, Mary Kay, Scott, and Ellis Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns, news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. And you can also text us back. We respond directly to you. It cuts through the clutter of social media, and you also get – a newsletter every morning. It's an exclusive newsletter that only goes to our Football Insider subscribers. It's content that does not run on cleveland.com. And, you know, just as an example, I did a quarter-by-quarter -quarter breakdown series of the schedule and, and predicted the Browns' record recently for, for the days that I did mine. So it's fun things like that, analysis. Um, it, it's a really interesting read that only goes to our Football Insider subscribers. And we have special events, including next week, a special event talking all things Baker Mayfield, breaking down what he's done, where he's going, and what we expect. It's going to be a Zoom call exclusively for our Football Insider subscribers. I keep saying that word exclusive. You want to get in that exclusive club, you start your 14-day free trial. You go to cleveland.com slash browns and click on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. And you can cancel with one quick text, but I don't think you're going to want to cancel. Uh, the people who are involved in this really seem to enjoy it. Even easier, you can text 216-208-3965 to get signed up. Again, to start that 14-day free trial, all you have to do is text 216 208 Three nine six five. Now back to the show. 
And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, definitely sign up for Football Insider before that Baker Mayfield event next week. You'll want to check that out. That's a, that's a lot of fun. We've already done one of those virtual things with our Football Insiders, and uh, it, it went really well. Uh, so you'll want to be a part of that. Now, let's talk about the secondary and uh, what to expect from the secondary. Let's start with the corners. Okay, Denzel Ward going into year three, Greedy Williams going into year two. I feel like when healthy, we know what Denzel Ward can be. Um, so let's really kind of focus on Greedy Williams and then that addition of Kevin Johnson, too, um, at the nickel. Uh, Mary Kay, Greedy Williams' first year, just eyeballing it. What, what did you think and what do you think he can become in year number two? Well, you know, from a coverage standpoint, I thought he did pretty well. Uh, I think from a technique standpoint, he needed some work. And I think the fact that Joe Woods has a secondary background, I think that will really, really help Greedy. I think they're going to dig in there. I think they're going to coach him up like crazy. And I think that they're going to try to get him to that next level. Again, this is where the virtual offseason kind of hurts a player like Greedy Williams because I think that he's somebody that could really benefit from a lot of really good hands-on coaching and just kind of digging in there and, uh, and getting him – where he needs to be. So, um, you know, again, from a coverage standpoint and from a ball hawking standpoint, I think they're going to be okay that way. I think they've got some guys that are going to be able to get their hands on some interceptions this year. And I think they're going to do more of that. There wasn't enough, there weren't enough takeaways from this defense last year at all. I think we will see more this year from, from Greedy, Denzel, Grant, and some of those guys. Yeah, I don't think, you know, missing games last year with a hamstring didn't help him much either. Um, I don't know that he played up to the level of a guy that a lot of people talked about as a first round pick, but I, I mean, I thought it was adequate for a rookie um, in his first year. It's not like, I don't think there was ever a situation where you thought Greedy Williams was a liability on the field. Um, so certainly there's room to improve um, and going into year two and knowing that you have your corner set is, is a big deal for Joe Woods. That's one of the things he doesn't have to worry about. Um, you can't say that, that for the rest of the secondary but you know that your outside corners are pretty much set and like I said Greedy Williams I think did enough as a rookie to, to warrant that. Yeah and, and I, I like how they complement each other I like how Ward and, and Greedy complement each other you, you've got you know Ward is smaller faster uh, Greedy is ha, has some more length some size to him and, and I thought he was decent as a tackler last year he was a rookie it's hard to play cornerback in the NFL and it's really hard when you're a rookie and, and I think you know, I, I think people should still feel good about what Greedy Williams can be, especially because it's not really a position they addressed. You know, they still have Terrence Mitchell on the roster, but they did not address that that second cornerback position. So they must feel good about what they have there opposite of Denzel Ward. And then, Scott, you mentioned those matchups that we were doing, those AFC North matchups. And uh, that, that kind of led me down the road to looking into Kevin Johnson a little more. And I, I, this is a really good signing, I think, especially at that nickel position, which is so important. Yeah, well, they got rid of, you know, well, they had nothing <laughs> really as far as uh, a slot or nickel uh, experience left on the roster. You know, TJ Carey's gone, Eric Murray goes a free agency. Um, but Johnson had some experience, um, played more wide, but, but got a lot of his snaps in the, in the slot uh, last season. So, I mean, again, Andrew Barry has gone out and done the obvious thing, and he's a, a, attacked the, the spots that you would expect him to attack. And Kevin Johnson makes, makes, makes sense coming in as, as possibly that, that slot corner. Um, yeah, he, if you want to look at pro, pro football focus grades, um, targeted 11 times in slot coverage last year, not a ton, 
You know, he gave up seven catches. But, again, you know, you still get the snaps there, which is the big thing. If he's not targeted a lot, maybe that's a good thing. It's something that the Browns will have to find out as we go forward. All right, Mary Kay, let's talk about this safety position. You mentioned Grant Delpit. Um, it, it's, we've got to think at this point that he's probably going to end up starting alongside Carl Joseph. Andrew Sandejo is in that room. He's the veteran they signed. But you know, I would think the plan is for Delpit to start. You want him to start, even though he was a second-round pick. This is a guy that you kind of raved about having first-round talent. Um, I, I like this grouping. I like having a young guy there who is hungry, who wants to prove that, you know, maybe he should have been a first-round pick, and then a, a veteran guy who wants to prove that, hey, Oakland, you know, you should have picked up my option and not let me walk. I, I, I like that combo. I, I think it's, it's an intriguing matchup there. Yeah, I would say if the season started tomorrow, those two guys would be the two starters at safety. And, uh, and, and there's a little energy there. You know, there's a little swagger with those two guys. And I, I, think that, I think that will be good for this defense. Again, Grant Delpit brings such versatility, such a great skill set. They're so excited about him. When you draft somebody in the second round, you're absolutely planning on starting him. So we can basically pencil that in. And Carl Joseph, he's got a lot to prove. You know, he's a former number, a former first round pick. And, uh, you know, this is a sort of prove it year for him. He wants to show people that, that he can still live up to that first round status. And, uh, you know, and he comes in here very, very hungry to show what he can do. And he's another guy that can be a ball hawk uh, and, and dig the ball out of there and, and grab some interceptions and things like that. So I think they have, uh, I think they have some interesting guys. They don't have stars. What they do have are, fallen stars in some ways you've got some former first round picks uh that really want to kind of get their careers back on track uh so they've got they've got bodies they've got depth they've got competition and now it's a matter of the cream rising to the top yeah scott i'm trying to remember we did a, a podcast a few weeks ago about which, which browns defenders could get long-term contracts i think i'm not sure if carl joseph made it onto that podcast but he probably should have because he <laughs> certainly has a chance to, to maybe play himself into one yeah, and you know, I think one of the things that uh, that he brings, and, and as well as Sandejo in a way, is just the big hitter, the big tackler. And as we know, tackling has been a huge problem uh, for this Browns defense for uh, for the last few years. So um, Carl Joseph was kind of known for that. Uh, he's really good pro football focus grades on tackling. Sandejo kind of got in trouble uh, for a couple big hits, uh, especially one that uh, that resulted in uh, a fine. Uh, I believe it was against. It was against Mike Wallace when he was with the Ravens. Um, Sandejo got suspended for a week. Um, but again, you have guys who, who, who are big hitters in the back of the secondary. That helps everybody in front of them. You know, that's not necessarily something the Browns had last year. Maybe they had, had defensive backs who were a little better in cover or safeties who were a little better in coverage than these two have been. But, you know, you add in Delpit, who's so versatile, um, you're probably going to see three of them on the field a lot more than just two of them. Yeah, there's, there's versatility to there, too, Mary Kay. Yeah, and, and I think, um, you know, again, with all the, uh, you know, the use of, you know, the play action, the two tight end sets and all this, a lot of that that we are seeing in the NFL, you know, you really need, uh, you really need safeties that can cover those tight ends and that can match up with them. Uh, there are a lot of matchup issues that, that will be happening. And, uh, you know, you mentioned, Scott, the, the ability to wrap up. I mean, Joe Woods talked today about how some of what they're doing, you know, they've got to gear some of this defense to trying to stop a Lamar Jackson and to try to stop what those Baltimore Ravens are going to do. 
with that running game. So you've got to have uh, safeties and defensive backs that can and will wrap up. Yeah, you mentioned tight ends. The Browns have given up at least 10 touchdowns to tight ends in four of the last five years, which puts them like usually in the top five. A couple years ago, they gave up 13 touchdowns, which was the most. So, yeah, there's an issue there <laughs> that they need to solve. Yep. Well, they're, they're going to get plenty of work against that. Uh, if, if they're able to get on that field in training camp, they're going to get lots and lots of work against, uh, against those tight ends. So it uh, should be good to watch. Okay, that'll do it for this Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, as usual, make sure you're subscribed to all the places you get your podcasts. Leave us good ratings and good reviews. Subscribe to Football Insider, too. For Mary Kay and Scott, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.